So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. The milkman, the paper boy, evening TV. Everywhere you look, everywhere Check, check. Civil skirt. Move in, motherfuckers. Hey guys, welcome back. It's episode 59 of Hosers. I'm your host, Chris Killingsworth, and joining me as always is my co-host, Carter Lupel. Carter, how are you? How's it going, Chris? It's going well, thank you. Episode 59, nice. <laughs> Love 59ing chicks. Oh, God. I've, you know, so many times in my life has someone been like, do you want to do the 59 position? <laughs> you did lady on her back, didn't you? <laughs> well, you disgusting bastard. You know I'm a nasty boy. <laughs> uh, welcome back, guys. I know it's been a little while. Uh, things have been pretty crazy, uh, but good. Hold on a moment. Ah, oh, it's so hard to take off. There we go. Okay. Chris is cracking a tall, cool Budweiser. Like, uh, yeah, well, here we are. Um, yeah, so it's been a bit, um, but we're happy to be back. Uh, Thomas, as you guys know, is got a big boy job now, and he's been doing that. So shout out to Thomas. He's not going to be able to make it tonight, uh, but uh, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> thoughts and prayers to intern Thomas. We love him so much. Uh <laughs> Should we kick it off with a quick little life update? What's new with you, man? Um, not much. Again, as always, you guys know I work like a dog. It's true. Finally got a promotion. You love to see it. <laughs> After two years, it was it was crazy though. They're like asked for a promotion like a month and a half ago, about. Yeah. And then over the last two weeks, they fired like so many people right before the holidays and all so that they could pay you i hope so so (laughs) i feel bad like some surprises and like some like just bought a house some just got married yeah man it sucks and like my review is set for a wednesday and this is like amidst all the firing and then they pushed my review to friday end of day and i was like okay well your boy doesn't have a job anymore rest in peace and then sure enough i got it so that's the update i love it what about you? Let's That's a good your, update, man. Let's get your life update. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts right now. Um, <laughs> honestly, like, it's crazy. Robin and I found a new house, so we are moving. Yeah. So we move on December 15th, which is next Sunday. not tomorrow Sunday, but the following Sunday, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, it's good. We're going to have a little bit more space. Uh, our apartment now is just so small. Uh, and even though it's been good to us, like while Robin was in school and we were both like focusing on our careers and stuff, it'll be nice to have kind of a place of our own that's just a little bit bigger and absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be good. Lots of room for, uh, her and I, but also for our dog and cat, Puck and Banshee. You may have heard of them before. (laughs) Um, you'll definitely hear Puck walking around on this episode and this might be the end of an era of recording in my apartment because on, we're going to have Blake Street. so much more room for activities at the new house. We'll do the man cave. We'll yeah. Do... Yeah. So, and I'm excited. Robin's basically given me the clearance to like, you know, do more or less what I want with the basement. Yeah. So, uh, so you can piss in the laundry room sink. Piss in the sink. And that's what I told Robin, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going through it. And, you know, for those of you guys who have done the, the house hunting or, you know, even just finding a new place to live type, like, you know, vibe, there is something to be said for like the things that you're looking for in a new place. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, when Robin sure. and I moved here, the biggest thing that she wanted was a bathtub. Yeah. Because she didn't want like a standing shower. She likes to have baths after work. Same. Which is cool. Uh, you guys are both, I mean, it's weird that you guys both do the bath thing. I haven't had a bath since that episode of Dexter where his wife gets fucking <laughs> Uh, I'm tired of having baths with her, so you're going to have to start. <laughs> oh, ew. 
But anyways, uh, you can't help who you fall in love with. That's what I've always said. Uh, but this time around, you know, your your demands are different, right? So, like, look at that refrigerator, right? Yeah. It's not a full-size refrigerator. No, it's a college It's a smaller one, right? Yeah. So I said to Rob, and I was like, baby, we need a full refrigerator. I want to do meal prep, okay? Fitness. This is the year of fitness. It could be. I'm not definitively saying yes, but it could be. Don't handcuff myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, set the expectation too high. So that was a uh, discussion. You know, we wanted some more bedrooms. So we got a couple more bedrooms than our current one-bedroom apartment, which is awesome. Uh, We've got a backyard for Puck. We got a basement. But, you know, as we were talking about, like, the laundry room situation and also does it have a the bathroom situation, you know, it's good. We got a bathroom on the main floor, uh, two upstairs, one in the in the master bedroom and one in the hallway there. And I told her, I said, you know, my man cave has got a laundry sink and you can bet your ass I'll be pissing in that sink. When I'm nine Budweiser's deep watching the Leafs live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to be like, oh. Why didn't they re-sign Mikheyev when we signed Troy Brower? As you're pissing all over the walls. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> But um, did you have a laundry sink growing up? Yeah, we pissed in it all the time. Yeah, of course. And listen, if you're listening, you're in your car or you're at work and you're like, mm, I would never piss in a laundry sink. You're, you're fucking f- lying You're yourself. full of shit. Everyone pissed in their laundry room sink because they didn't want to go up because they didn't want to miss a show or Absolutely. pause their video game. Absolutely. Or... So anyways, sorry that I'm being real. <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, no, like that's been fun tonight. I'm excited. Uh, we're taking a bit of a packing break. You and I did some edibles. Yeah, uh, so we're going to, hopefully they kick in. Hopefully they kick in. I <laughs> uh, just finished watching the Leafs spank the St. Louis Blues 5-2, to two, which was awesome. And then tonight, if you could guess by the intro, tonight Carter and I are going to watch the new season of Fuller House. Now, let me ask you, what is your experience with Full House? We watched it growing up. I haven't seen any of the new seasons. TBS Superstation, is that where you frequented the I show? Can't, I honestly can't remember linear TV. I'm, uh, I'm one of those guys that has like a million concussions. Yeah. Don't remember anything before high school. That's okay. I remember, yeah. That, okay, that's fair. We used to watch it every night. It was on at 5 o'clock when we come yeah. home from school. We'd get home around 4. So my stepbrother would put on OLN and make us watch some this show called The Ride Guide. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. It's a mountain biking show. <laughs> if you watch The Ride Guide, you're a fucking serial killer, just saying. He's locked up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to him. Uh, but he'd make us watch this show that, like, you know, watch The Ride Guide, which I fucking hated. <laughs> and then at 5 o'clock, do... Do, 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 do. Ah. <laughs> and I've seen every episode, but of course, as time went on, they've now done this thing on Netflix, and I'm just thrilled. See, the problem now is whenever I see Bob Saget in anything, immediately in my brain, all I hear is, there's shit on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> there's shit everywhere, yeah. so I can't, like... When I see Bob Saget, I think of Full House, but then I also think of uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, all where his co- just, color commentary. He's just doing all the all the voices. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this hill looks pretty steep. Oh no. <laughs> and it's just him. Could you imagine just him in the booth with like a half lit cigarette, like in the ashtray? He's like, seriously, Terry, I'm not doing another fucking take. I'm fucking sick of this show. No, it's the fucking producers. They're like. Bob, stop. He's like, that wasn't right. I don't... Just uh, let me try one more time, okay? I... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, basically, that's, like, what that show was, right? But anyways, the new season, it's the first season without Aunt Becky uh, because she bribed for her... Like, she bribed a school to get her kids in. Oh, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Lori Lachlan, you fucked up. Still hot. Still just hot. Just saying. Um, is there anybody on Fuller House that you're immediately physically attracted to? Mostly all of them. They all okay. grew up way hot. They um, all got hot. Yeah. DJ is the one for me. Yeah, Rio. I think so too. DJ is always like, I remember as a kid, like we were like the same age. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not really into that. Right. 
I came in the door. I sat down. I had an edible. I had yeah, some pizza. You and did. I had a beer. That's true. And we were in the zone, and DJ pops in the room, and I was like, oh, yeah. my God. 100%. Dude. And the fact that she's married to Valerie Bure to tie it all back. I was going to say, to bring it back to hockey. <laughs> right. And then Vancouver just wear their toss-back jerseys. Yeah. Like it was... So, so everything's coming. So Valerie's not a kind of... I'm yeah. Doing the Pavel. You meant Pavel, but... I'm I, just I, saying, that there's... That's the six degrees of separation. I all respect back it. Together. I respect <laughs> it. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, DJ, of course, as some of you guys may know, was an ugly duckling. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, she wasn't as hot. And listen, I'm going to use this through the... Okay. We're talking about 10-year-old... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking about, like, I'm a 30-year-old man commenting on a... <laughs> you know, I'm not... You know, I was about that life. I'm no longer... No, I'm just joking. Um, so, yeah, through the vein, like, the the The, the lens, lens. Of 10-year-old... Yes, Just of learned course. what masturbating was, Cardo Okay, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> I learned way sooner, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't, like, <laughs> making sure that no one was around and... <laughs> Just like, uh, guys, don't come in my room. I'm watching Full House. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kimmy. Um, but yeah, DJ's still hot. Stephanie, though. Now, what you don't know about the show is she's had like a bit of a rough go of things. She was a rock star. Oh, and now she's settling down with Kimmy Gibbler's brother. I feel like if I saw rock star Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, that'd be my goodness that'd be my gracious. Thing. Kimmy Gibbler is like a bit irresponsible now when that that's like kind of par for the course for yeah. her. Yeah, Kimmy but, like she grew up okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually kind of hoping that um well John Stamos is going to be in a bunch of episodes nice. and he's crushing it still. John Stamos. Which is good for him, <laughs> right? Uh Lori Lachlan. I wonder cuz we're only on the first episode of the new season, so we don't know like how are they going to like I was gonna say, did she set a load of court? Well, that's what I mean, right? Like how is she was, and she's been a part of the last few episodes or seasons, rather. Yeah. So how are they gonna make it seem, you know, or they tie it in by going because you know they had the twins, right? The yeah. two boys. Maybe she goes, oh, sorry, Aunt Becky can't be in this season because she paid for her two boys under the table to get into a school. <laughs> And Uncle Jesse's like, whoa, my God, this is fucking crazy. Hey, <laughs> Mom, I'm eating here. We had the hard work when we grew up. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I know he doesn't sound like that, but I told you about the Golden Corral commercial, right? No. Okay. There's, um for all of our American listeners, when Robin and I were in Florida, there was this Golden Corral commercial that would come on every commercial break where it was this little boy and he's like, when I go to Golden Corral, I can eat shrimp and I can eat New York strip sirloin. Makes me feel like a real New Yorker. And then his mom goes to like grab something off his plate. He goes, hey, mom, I'm eating here. <laughs> and I quote it often. Have you been to Golden Corral? We almost went, but I was like, oh, I want the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Like, what's oh, okay. the deal with the chicken sandwich? <laughs> so we went there instead. So we went to Golden Corral over Thanksgiving weekend. We yeah. were in Ohio. I've never seen a more stressful place in my life. It looks stressful. Like, so you get, you basically, you go to Golden Corral to like immerse yourself into middle America. Like, I feel like if there's an anthropologist and they're like, I need to get to the roots of middle America. Yeah. They go to a Golden Corral and they watch people go load up on shrimp and load up on steak and load up on chicken balls and then they go over to the chocolate fountain and they cover it all with chocolate yeah <laughs> and then they go back to their like tables and the the servers are bringing them like buckets of soda and they're like mm-hmm. it is so stressful and everything's sticky but i feel that way about buffets you know i'm not a buffet guy yeah well, and, and for a husky fella you'd look at me and go this guy probably likes buffets <laughs> this guy knows what a buffet yeah <laughs> and ask robin dude she always is asking me about going to the mandarin and That's i'm like no gross. i'm not going on oh hey babe babe Hi. we're recording a podcast we're live on the air do i like the mandarin or do i hate the mandarin you hate mandarin oh confirmed confirmed there you go because you're, you're trash because i'm trash <laughs> Wow, what's no the one taste. thing I always get at the Mandarin? Dessert, ice cream. Okay, we gotta go. Uh, I'll text you. I love you. Bye. I love you. Too. I love you too. Bye. I love you, bitch. Bye. <laughs> 
dude, married life's great. But anyways, <laughs> so she, she'll want to go there, and I fucking hate it, dude. Mm-hmm. It stresses me out. I'll eat like a fucking bag of shit, and then I'll feel bad. Yeah, and then every kid put his like his ten fingers in his fucking ass, and then went and yeah. Put his hands. He's the- he's getting the Caesar salad with his two <laughs> elbows. Sick fuck. Hundred percent. And like the people that go to buffets. I don't think they're bad people. I think you go to a buffet for a special occasion. We went to the buffet because, like, literally everything else on the strip in Stan- Sandusky, Ohio, was closed. There you go. And Golden Corral's open like twenty four hours of the fucking beacon. Like, yeah, come here to fucking eat your life away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't dig it. There is a place that I do dig though. That is a buffet. They are called Frankie Tomatoes. Oh, okay. They're yeah. in Markham. Yeah. Shout out to them. Would love to get. We could do a read. <laughs> do an ad read if it's available um but frankie tomatoes is an italian buffet with a couple of other things sprinkled in yeah and it's incredible maybe it's just cross-disciplinary buffets that mess you up yeah i can't uh i can't deal with most of that stuff but you know you just you do what you got to do and you grind it out as best as you can you now go. a couple of other things that i would like to talk about real quick here is Sometimes we go out for food and we spend all this money, especially at a buffet. Thank you, Puck. Thank you. You might want his toy. You want your toy, buddy? Look, there's peanut butter in there. Go get it. <laughs> um, but we go to we go to these places. We spend a hundred bucks on food, and yeah. then we get fucking diarrhea as soon as we get home. Exactly. So, no, I'm not doing that. That's why I don't eat at the Mandarin. Exactly. Anyways, so speaking of pieces of shit, I guess it would be fitting for us to talk about Bill Peters. <laughs> Segway of a Segway. life of a lifetime. <laughs> so listen, we're behind on a bunch of news. I recognize this. I was talking to my boy Sean about this at work today. He's like, what are you guys going to talk about on the next episode? And I was like, oh, you think we make notes? Ha ha. Ha ha. You thought. You thought. Uh, (laughs) we used to make notes but when Thomas isn't here we know it's going to get off the rails so we'll just do our best we are a better podcast when Thomas is on but we're going to grind it out we're a realer one when that's right (laughs) shout out to all the real ones out there Um, but yeah like this Bill Peters stuff if people want to know our opinion on it we have the same opinion that all of you have on it this is not like the Don Cherry thing in the sense that the country is divided. We are all on the same page that Bill Peters is a piece of shit. Oh, absolutely. So that's that. Yeah, do we have to go deeper into I it? I don't know if we do. I don't know if we do. I can tell you that the new coach, though, can't remember his name, but he's the associate <laughs> coach. He's got three wins. And there Johnny go. Goodrow scored tonight for the first time in a while. Well, there you go. So that's good, I think. <laughs> um, did you have any thoughts around some of the stuff that had come out about Mike Babcock at all? Um... I don't know. I was like, it's really weird because obviously, like something, something this big happens in hockey. You like, you always like your your head hangs on it for a bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when TSN came out with like the finding series when they're helping out like old concussed players, and when Theo Fleury came out with like his book and everything that kind of happened. Like there's like these pinnacle moments in hockey where you like sit back and. Re- and reflect on like yeah how intense the game is and like what it does to people you know what i mean yeah it's almost like certain things are like bookend in a sense that it's like oh this happened before this major thing yeah or this was the start of something really great oh absolutely for you know there's positivity to come from the negativity yeah and we've even seen that with the don cherry stuff and his dismissal etc but yeah it was um what like really got me thinking on it because I was like really quick to like dismiss Babcock because I <clears throat> excuse me I didn't like him there was like a few years ago when he like really kind of got snippy with the media like he never was like that in Detroit and then yeah when he I know the Toronto Toronto media is like hard to hard to handle like on a good day yeah and he would he just got like very arrogant in the media and that's when I kind of like was like oh I'll, like I'm indifferent about Babcock. And then when this came out, I was like, yeah, I was already like over the fence or on the fence. Now I'm definitely over it. Um, but when we were driving home from uh, the hockey game, we listened to the Chelios interview on Spit and Chicklets. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, 
the one line that like stuck out to me like of all the crazy shit that went on was when they're like well yeah he's not gonna make the hall of fame now right and Trellius was like you can't like he, he'll still make the hall of fame because like you can't negate his rap sheet right and Chelios was like and probably one of the guys that arguably had like one of the biggest run-ins with Babcock yeah was still able to remove himself from that and say like this guy changed hockey pretty much like yeah I mean and I'm and that's not like I'm not like on Babcock's side or anything like that but it's like crazy to see like these dichotomies that come out with this because obviously like when something this big happens in hockey it's completely mm -hmm. polarizing for the sport the fans like for everything right right and so that was, that's been like toying with me since we've listened to that is hearing Chelio say that. And like a coach is a dick. I never had a coach that I was like, hmm, maybe I'll be buddies with that coach. Yeah. You're like, I like this guy. Yeah. No, every, every coach is a dick and I can understand the pressures and the stresses that these guys are under at that level. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, um, it doesn't negate the fact that he's, he, made some very shitty decisions and had complete lapses of judgment throughout his career and different pinnacle moments. Like when he was sitting Medano, when Medano was, he was like, Medano was at f like 1,499 games. Oh my God, dude. And he sat Medano for 12 games. Like that's like, you don't need to fucking do that. That's just. Yeah. We've like, heard things like over the last several years, obviously the Mike Commodore stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, there was some Johan Franz and stuff before all of that awful yeah. stuff came out recently. And, you know, for me, I wouldn't say like I'm a Babcock guy. Yeah. Um, he's had success, you know, pretty well everywhere he's gone. And yeah, people don't often like their coaches. Like that's pretty no. normal. However, some of the mind game shit that you hear about and stuff like that. Yeah. I have a big problem with that, especially for someone who oh. was at McGill for psychology. You'd think they'd have a bit more empathy on some of these things. Oh, absolutely. But the other side of it as well is that, you know, is it good people doing good things and bad people doing bad things? Or is there a capacity for good people to do bad things? And bad people to do good things. Right? <laughs> like it's... And I think it's that's not like, so black and white to me. No, it's not like hearing Chelios, like who went through like Babcock's like dark years in, in Detroit, like, like the, it's, there's a lot of decisions, like I said, that he made that he shouldn't have made like, and he made some like very big fuck ups with people that he should never, like you don't sit a Medano or a Chelios yeah. or like, but then like these mind games and like well these... not playing Spezza like I know we yeah. kind of joked about that but like that was a pretty fucking weird move in hindsight yeah but like if you look at it like he made Detroit a powerhouse yeah he knew how to work that system and as soon as he left Detroit that's when you saw it go completely off the rails so he was yeah, obviously I'm, doing something right. I agree and disagree only because like I think Ken Holland did a good job of building that team and then you had a scenario where Babcock pulled the shoot when he saw Datsuk go back to Russia and Zetterberg yeah. was on his last legs. Franzen wasn't coming back. You know, a, a lot of these like core guys that he had in Detroit just weren't there anymore. But yeah, yeah it, and it's weird because of course, you know, after the Bill Peters stuff and now all the Mike Babcock stuff is coming out and then we have the Mark Crawford stuff, which is weirder in the sense that people are saying that Crawford did all these things, but then you have Sean Avery backpedaling a little bit and he's like, whoa, 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 I loved Mark Crawford, <laughs> right? And then you have like the stuff that Brent Sopel said where it was like, he was an asshole, but without, I'm paraphrasing, but without the, the way that he did things, I may not have been able to play 400 plus games in the NHL at oh, that level, right? And that's like, like- That's where it's tricky. And exactly, like- and, like, a witch hunt always brings out the crazies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as soon as I started seeing Sean Avery's name pop up, like, speaking out against people. Yeah. Like, that's when I, like, I start to, like, draw the line in the sand. Like, I think there's certain people who have every right to step up and talk out because they had long, respectful careers and everything like that. Sure. But when you have a Sean Avery, like... You just don't know what's legit and what's not legit, right? And exactly. Like, if I was Sean Avery and I had the career that I had and I, like, closed... I, like, walked away the way that I walked away. And he was dating Alicia Cuthbert for a bit, thanks. <laughs> but I would, like... PNK. If I was... <laughs> if 
if I was Sean Avery, I would not try and open my mouth and get anything, any more attention on me. Yeah, I personally don't hate Sean Avery, and I know, like, a lot of people do. I think he's entertaining. I yeah. I don't agree with a lot of the shit that he does, but as, as an analyst, I find him fascinating because you just don't know what side of his mouth he's speaking out of for whatever <laughs> reason, right? The, you know... The abuse stuff is very concerning to me, of course. Oh, absolutely. You hear about the Akeem Alou stuff and, you know, it's bringing back the Steve Downey stuff and all that stuff from his career. Uh, and this guy has not had it easy. And it sounds like uh, you know, people were reporting later this week that there's going to be a code of conduct being, you know, kind of developed in partnership and collaboration with Akeem Alou. Uh, and what that will look like um, through the NHL and, and really kind of what that looks like. Um, I hope it's not like that declaration of principles that the Pope signed off on for the <laughs> NHL. Hopefully it's not at that level. But, um, you know, and, and of course, yeah, the Steve Downey stuff comes out and you hear about, again, all these hazing incidents that happen in the OHL and, and you know, yeah. not exclusively to the OHL, but... You know, I've met Steve Downey uh, on a number of occasions. He doesn't live very far from us. I'd love to get him on the show one day. Steve, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're 20 kilometers away. Um, but I've met him before, and I have not met a nicer NHL player, but former see, NHL player. But that doesn't mean that he didn't do fucked up things. Well, all of this sh- shit that came out, like, I look, and obviously I didn't play to this level, but, like, I had a good, good run at things, and... I'm like a very like softly spoken like I I, th- I feel like I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I like, it's like a dating profile. You're like I mean I didn't play at the highest level but I, don't know, I mean people would say I'm a nice guy. Yeah, I'm a fourth line grinder, I'm a glue guy. Yeah. <laughs> but low center of gravity, <laughs> fire hydrant, fire hydrant. Yeah. Not down below though. It's Yeah, <laughs> well, please. <laughs> but um the shit like some of the shit that I used to say on the ice, I like I still keep myself up at night. I'm like, "Oh fuck, I said this to this guy." Yeah. And it like did like it's, it sounds really bad, but everyone's guilty of it. Hundred percent. Absolutely, everyone's guilty of it. And there's not a single person listening that can be like, "Well, I've never used that word before." No, you fucking. And I'm not necessarily referring to racial terms. I hope you didn't use those words. Yeah. But we've all used language that is not becoming of us in 2019. Well, that's it. You're just trying to kick up the dust to like start an even bigger storm. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's the, and that's just what you did. And I. I like can only imagine at that level it's just amplified like right and yeah. and that's what that's why I'm so like I'm so polarized with this whole thing because mm-hmm. yes I like I care that these people are being treated well because like the like the mental like degradation implications that like come oh absolutely come around with playing at this level and being under that microscope yes absolutely like, all, literally all of that well, that's what I mean. And so that shit that's going on, like, of course, all of this is going to happen because people are bound to snap. But I feel like, like all of these people now trying to put this added stress and added pressure just because, like, they're trying to be sensitive. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those first world problem things. That... Well, I think there is, you know, cancel culture. And then, like, this is not necessary. Like, people are being canceled for the right reasons here. Don't get me wrong here. <laughs> But yeah, there is a little bit of fake outrage with some stuff. Yeah, this is not one of those occasions no, to me. I don't think it's fake outrage. Like what my thing is is like, and I'm sure like not a lot of people are gonna like this, but like, like these like privileged white people need attention so bad that they like, like there's a statute of limitations for a reason. There's yeah. like some of the things that have happened. Like yes, things happened in the heat of the moment. Yeah, and. At professional level sports, mostly everything is heat of the moment. Right. And I regret almost 100% of the things that I've ever done in the yeah. heat of the moment. And to, like, kick it up, like, 10, 15, 20 years later. Sure. When, like, I'm sure they've apologized for it. I'm sure they've, like, done things to, like, stretch out the wrongdoings that they've done into good doings. Yeah. Like, I, f- I feel like that's a bit fucking ridiculous i think i i agree with some of that i think where it gets challenging of course is that um we assume positive intent right like we assume that these people maybe had done awful malicious even things yeah um 
and there's this there's this almost piece of it that is like well we assume that these people grew up and they realized that they couldn't say words like that anymore they couldn't joke about certain things they couldn't shove three naked people in a fucking bathroom on a bus you know what I mean, and 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 of course we assume. Well, cooler heads prevail. Uh, yeah. You know, we were we were young, we were dumb, we were stupid, we were all these things, and it's like some of those things uh, probably ha- like you know the the. Um, There's a line in the sand though. Like there that's... is, but I guess what I'm saying is is that we're assuming that everybody has had that grown up moment, and they've they've been able to reconnect with that person and like get back on that same page oh, no, I'm, I'm where not... there's apologies or whatever yeah. right but like i think we can both agree that you know these people professional athletes being put on these pedestals they may not feel like they did anything wrong oh right? for sure like i where i was coming from is that like some of the people that have like been put on blast lately yeah are just like that's old news yeah like, and you can tell that there it wasn't like there was no malice in their voice towards the coaches. Mm-hmm. They're just excited to be in front of the camera again. Yeah, I agree with and that. And so that's that. Sorry, that's what I was saying. Yeah, is that there like, is a little bit of people coming out of the fucking woodwork, like, and, and and this is where I'm like, I'll be very honest. Like, I'm I'm challenged by this in so many ways. Where it is, you know, you have guys that are like, well, the coach kicked me in the back. Is that aggressive? Is that assault? Yeah, 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 it is. I mean, like that's you shouldn't do it, yeah. right? But then you have other guys who, and again, we're going in the 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 court of public opinion. Like we're we're expected to kind of uh, have an understanding of what these people have gone through. But of course, you have some people that look at it as abuse, and rightfully so. Yeah. And then you have other people that go, "Well, that was." literally and figuratively the kick in the ass that I needed to become an NHL player so like at what point we're 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 blurring the morality here a little bit oh and absolutely like I I've had coaches like I've the amount of scenarios that I've been in where it's like it's game seven we're going to the third period we're down like your coach comes in and flies off the handle like I've had sticks thrown at me water bottles I've been pushed I've been fucking like 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 soap sprayed on me like I'm yeah all of this shit and this is like and if you're somebody like and that's exactly it most of it is just the kick in the ass because you're right. frustrated like I know I say a lot of things that like I still feel bad like and I've told this story in the podcast before but I went into a room at a tournament to the team that Chris and I coach and we lost every game in the tournament but the last game and we played down to this team's level so bad that I came in and I said you guys didn't deserve to win that game. Yeah. You shouldn't be happy. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. And I still keep myself up at night for that, right? Yeah. And and, and that wasn't, like, to the same level. No, no. But I, I get where you're coming from, where, you know, you and I are the type that we have a guilty conscience about re- re- things that are regretful or, like I said, unbecoming of us as adults, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, even outside of the hockey lens or the sports lens, like, we can look at, decisions maybe that we've made in our career where we're like well fuck i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have said that no, you know absolutely, what i mean yeah and although um you know abuse is something that you know i take seriously you take seriously collectively as a podcast we take that seriously uh, as individuals um but it it is it is really challenging it the is. mark crawford thing you know, obviously he's been kind of suspended, not suspended, but he's taking a leave of absence from the team while they do an investigation. I am really interested to see how that plays out Absolutely. because now you're having these guys coming to the forefront being like, well, I loved being coached by him. Right. Yeah. And you've he- heard all these great stories about when yeah. he was in Ottawa and helping kind of change that dynamic. You know, Austin Matthews, he coached Zurich um, in the Swiss League when Austin was there. And Austin Matthews speaks really highly of him. And, you know, you have all these people that, you know, that's, it's it's confusing. It's And that's, that's the only thing that I'm worried about because, like, my big worry on, like, the worst case scenario is we lose our game of hockey. Right. Like, that's, it's going to get to a level if we, like, keep on this trajectory that it's just going to be diluted so much we're not going to have the game of hockey that we know and love yeah and so that's my like one fear but my biggest fear about this all is all these people it's the whole cry wolf thing 
So like all these people come out just because everybody else is coming out about these things. And whether they embellish or they extrapolate or they make a big deal about something that like it's already been rectified. Yeah. Like I don't want to see that take away from somebody that has like a real fucking Who's problem. actually gone through it. Yeah. It's not that who's actually gone through it because somebody could be going through like a real time serious situation and if this stuff gets to a point where like it, the the bubble bursts like when these guys don't get the help and support they need like that's I think that's the biggest issue here is that it's the whole cry wolf thing yeah and eventually if you keep crying wolf no one believes you but what if you need somebody to believe you yeah at that one particular moment or if they don't believe you in that moment your world collapses right yeah i've had people ask me um in the last little while what my thoughts were on dan carcillo um and for those of you guys who don't know dan carcillo you know former enforcer played with you know chicago like when i think of carcillo i think a car bomb you know playing (laughs) for the, the chicago blackhawks um and of course he was this guy who was a piece of shit on the ice and you know has done some regretful things over his career but has now come out and he's being kind of this advocate and this uh you know person that's coming out and uh really identifying some of the stuff that's gone on over the last little while and and of course uh, advocating for his former uh you know teammates and things like that around some of these things that have come out um and i'm not sure how familiar you are with it but there's a lot of uh backlash i would say around Carcillo being this guy who was the cause, you know, of a lot of people's uh, issues when he was a player, um, and now he's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum, going after everybody uh, and and things of that nature. So I will share that, you know, for me, um, do I believe that people deserve second chances? I would say absolutely. I think they do. Um, I also feel like, you know, there is this expectation that we have when we see Dan Carcillo tweeting that it's going to be, you know, spilling some of the hottest gossip or tea of the day (laughs) about things that have happened. But it's almost kind of like, I feel like maybe he should be focusing a lot of that effort into, um, you know, making sure that the mistakes that he made are not made again. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Because he's going after the people that he had dealt with in the past. But frankly, and I mean this with the utmost respect, we can't change that. That's already happened. These people have had these things happen to them for one reason or another. But like, what are we doing about making sure these things aren't happening? You know, and 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 forgive me if I'm wrong, and I may be because I'm not as familiar with it over the last couple of months. But do you feel almost as if? hey, take this amazing platform that you have and, you know, do something about it. You know, like Brent Sopel, right? He he um, he is uh, dyslexic uh, and he's started this foundation um, where he's trying to get this identified early and often and making sure these people through early detection are able to, you know, live their life normally as possible uh with the assistance of his foundation um kind of combating dyslexia right yeah i think that's incredible that's such a great story where this guy's gone through something it's had this tremendous impact on his life but he's actually doing something about making sure that it doesn't happen to other people and with carcillo i feel like you know you can only stamp your feet before you go through the fucking floor right (laughs) like at what at what point are you you know, maybe traveling, are you going to schools, are you sharing your experience? Uh, And I know he has done that to a degree. I think I'd just like to see more of it. Now that he has this platform and people have this expectation of him, I'd really like to see him do something with it. Yeah, well, there's that whole glass houses thing, right? Yeah. And, like, normally, like, the come to Jesus moments for people, they, like, they repent. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And there hasn't been that, like, like that penance phase yet, which is like you need to see it happen you know what i mean yeah like it's if you're like going down in a fire like you shouldn't try and pull people down with you you know sure so, definitely yeah no i completely get it yeah okay so switching gears some other stuff's kind of gone on over the last little while we talked about it a little bit before mike babcock uh was fired since our last episode and of course we've got sheldon keith uh and we out you. 
<laughs> I would share that. Um, the funny thing for me is is that uh, I had intended on using a Chief Keef sample, which I thought a lot of people would do, uh, but no one did it. These bitches lost so some oh and a no and fucking with them old boss. You gon' get fucked over. Rories and robots. These hoes are cheap so head on with that cold bro. Now that was slumped over. They do it all So yeah, we had to be the one to do it. So there you go. Alright? Fine. <laughs> Fuck. Uh but yeah, so things have been going well. Wasn't always well. Tonight was good. Yeah. They won five to two. I felt good about it. Austin Matthews is scoring again. Scored two goals tonight, which was awesome. Uh, yeah, we'll just kind of see where things go. What were your thoughts when Babcock got fired? Um, I just, I figured it was coming. Like, it's, that's the easiest thing. And you saw it with, um, like, you saw it with Toronto. Like, when they started, like, shitting the bed. Like, the easiest person to let go is the captain. You can't fire the whole crew. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the, that was it. They just, they had too rough of a start. Like they built too perfect of a lineup. Like on paper, they're the, like the best team in the NHL. Yeah. And like, there's no excuse that you should have the opening of the season that you had with that type of firepower. Like it was basically an all-star team. Yeah. Or like a, like a world <laughs> Minus <team>. the defense. <laughs> Sorry, Riley. But like, it's, it's. Or a world's team that like where these super players are brought together and they perform in that arena. So it's weird that they weren't performing in this one, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I think um, there's no feeling that I have that already hasn't been said. Yeah. So uh, I- I'll say that I'm excited about Keith. It was for me just a matter of time. Um, he looked good in the media. Like that's yeah. I think that's the hardest part. Like yeah, if you let the team play, they'll they'll know what to do, right? Sure, and you know kind of segueing from our last topic Sheldon Keefe is a guy that's got a very complicated story for a number of reasons similar to the ones that we touched on a few minutes ago there's an example of somebody who's been able to turn it around turn it around yeah fight through adversity and I just hope the other people are given the opportunity to do the same um you know there are some other things on the NHL that I feel like you know we gotta we gotta touch on for one reason or another um now I gotta bring up Montreal a little bit because (laughs) Um, what the fuck is going on with Montreal? I don't know, man. It was like, it was tough to watch them lose against Philly. Like that was a tough overtime loss. And then they, they, they came back and lost the second night in a row. And it just seems to be like this cascading effect of like, at least they've got all the older players on retainer and they're like, okay, Chelly, I'm going to need you to come down to the bell center. (laughs) And I'm going to need you to pick up Max Domi when he falls. And you're going to have your kids bringing you beers the whole game. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like, misery loves company. So I feel like I can share that it's been a complicated season as a Leaf fan. But, like, Montreal is just so weird. And that's the thing. Like, when you guys have guys like Weber and you have guys, like, I don't like Domi. But when you have guys like Domi or even Kotkaniemi, that's been, like he had an amazing season last year. Yeah. And like, you have all these pieces to the puzzle that just like, it's weird because like, I, I know with Toronto, there's like a lot, there's a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. And like, when you take like kind of some bigger personalities out of the lineup, like Kadri and things like that, like yeah. it's inevitably going to send a ripple through um, like that organization. Right. But with Montreal, there's like no big moves that really happen. So how the fuck did the puzzle just fall apart? Yeah, it's weird. I what if Carey Price is washed? I think that's it. Like he, he's not <laughs> the same Carey Price this season. Like you watch him this season, he goes down and he like normally old Carey Price like he'll fall on his back and he'll still be up in a split second and yeah. like paying attention to the game. And you watch him this year, he like he gets knocked over, he spins around and he's down. He stays down until like <laughs> Yeah. Until the play's away from him. It's like his react. It's, it's really weird. Yeah, his reaction time isn't the And same. I don't know if it's a systems thing, because like Claude Julian was the coach last year, and they were awesome yeah. for most of the year. I think some of their, you know, missing some of their firepower pi- is hurting. Missing a guy like Ryan Paling, you know, who I know a lot of Habs fans are excited about. You know, the emergence of Nick Suzuki has been really great to watch. Yeah, he's been, it's not even like he was a miss. Like, yeah. He's been playing great hockey. Yeah, he's been playing really well. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are quick to be like, well, they need some left-handed defenders in the top four because, you know, they've got 
uh, you know, Petrie and Shea Weber, you know, who have been playing together a little bit this season, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I think they they need a move. I think they need a move of some kind. I know yeah. that they were linked to Martinez from the LA Kings. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to afford to re-sign him next year. They got quite a bit of cap space. I know they're waiting for a guy like Alex Romanoff to come over from the KHL and crush it. I was reading about this guy Konstantin Okulov, who plays <laughs> in the same on the same team. I think CSKA uh, is the team he plays for, but he might be coming over to play for them next year. Like I don't know. As a Habs fan, I think there's a lot to be excited about, but I look at that Carey Price contract and I look at some of the goalies in their system and go, and that's why. What like, do you do, right? Like you can't. Can you trade? I guess you can. You can trade Carey Price, but yeah, he should he, you. <laughs> Like, I don't know, it's tough to say because he'd be, like, he's never going to lose his value completely where he wouldn't, like, say no to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no one would throw an offer at him that he'd be, like, that he would laugh them out the room. For sure. Um, But we've talked about this podcast, or about this on the podcast, like, many times before, but these, like, extended year contracts for goalies especially are just, like... Yeah, the Bobrovsky one's not good looking good either, <laughs> by the way. Well, that's it. Like, it, it's like, like you're you're basically like submitting a lease on your casket. <laughs> I just can't like I think about the Leafs needing to re-sign Freddie. Yeah, sign him to three four years. And I pray to fucking God that you know, Wool or Scott are gonna be like ready to go because yeah. I don't know if they if they can right. And but that like because they got to sign Pietrangelo in the free agency this coming <laughs> summer, right? They're not gonna have the money for him. <laughs> but like they, these goalies, like if you give them. Like, the goalie's the, arguably the hardest spot to attain in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you're playing out, you can adjust your game so you can fill a right-wing spot if you have to. You can fill a defense spot if you have to. Like, players can adjust their game enough so that they can fill a void that will bring them the most success. Yeah, I feel you. Goalies have, like, this one spot to fill. And they have the starting spot to, like, fill. No goalies, like, growing up and be like can't fucking wait to be number two in the NHL when they <laughs> yeah. grow up. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to love riding the fucking pine. This is great. And so and so these goalies that, like, get these extended, like, your deals, like, yeah, the team's locked to them. But there's also, like, not... There's a push for now that goalie to, like, stay at his level. Yeah. And especially if you're, like, in an organization that's not, like... I know every team's cup running, but every team, like, realistically at the beginning of the year, they're like... Okay, you know what? This is our year to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. We'll go for the cup next year or two years. And three yeah, years. you got to map it out a little bit. But I think they're also banking on price. This just being like a moment in time, right? Yeah. Or like they're praying to God. They're like, oh, it's Julian's systems. <laughs> Once we get Kirk Muller coaching the team, it's all going to turn around. Oh, I can finally wear my Muller jersey there in public again. <laughs> Big old number 11. I love it. But... Yeah, I think extending them to these is a nail in the coffin for the team because you give these goalies an opportunity to not fight for that spot anymore. Yeah. And so I think you see all these, it's it's hilarious, like, not hilarious, sorry, it's like, it's crazy to watch all of these extended year goalies just burn out. Yeah. Like a third of the way into their Well, contracts. and you know, we've seen that you need to kind of go with like a bit of a platoon approach, right? Like, yeah. I've always been a big advocate for that the Habs should have kept Halak and traded Price. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. Uh, but what I will say is, you know, look at a guy like Halak. He's fucking crushing it for Boston. That tandem of Halak and Rask is like, yeah. you know, bringing me, you know, vibes from Kadobin and uh, that yeah. tall goalie. What's his name <laughs> in Dallas? Ben Bishop. There you well, go. It's just, it's like proper load management for these players, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure if, and that was the thing, like while Montreal was going through this whole like, they went through a lot of shit to, I know, to acquire Weber and everything like that. Yeah. And they're dishing away guys like Radulov and everything. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, like, it's tough, but they, they put that whole load on Price to kind of get them yeah. through it. Well, and they cheated a lot where yeah. they could count on Price to save them a few games a year, right? Yeah. I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, because I did want to, before we end the podcast in the next few minutes here, I did want to talk really quickly about the New Jersey Devils. Um, so I didn't mean to hijack you, but that's okay. here we are. Um, so we also had a coach firing as well um, with Hines being fired behind the bench of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I don't know how to feel about Taylor Hall not re-signing there. 
I don't know. Yeah. It's weird because, like, when the trade happened, I was like, yeah, New Jersey, like, you fucking needed this. Now you have Taylor Hall. He's going to re-sign. Yeah. Eight-year deal, you know, whatever. And now I look at it and I go, they got to tear it the fuck down. Yeah. And that may mean, well, no, it doesn't may mean. It means trading P.K. Subban, too. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, or absolutely, I'm sorry. Like, it's, that's another, like... That's another example of the these teams bringing in all these firepower, and then they just flop when they can't. Like it's not their window, like you you know had alluded to a few minutes ago, right? Like it's not their time to shine. Like Jack Hughes and you know our uh, our, our Swiss friend Nico Heischer, you know, like they're gonna be great centers for a long time. Yeah, they're not. Well, Heischer is good now, but. Jack Hughes has been up and down a little bit this season, but it, like they got to move on from these guys and and just get as many assets back as they can, right? Well, exactly, and that was the like we were talking about it when we were talking about Trotz and in the Islanders, how he's brought all of these like B B minus players together to be one of the hardest working teams in the NHL. Like he knows how to pick a room, I guess. But like my brother and I were talking about like this whole Gretzky versus Ovi thing. Yeah. that's happening right now and a lot of the stuff about Gretzky and Gretzky said it himself he's only good because he had the right people around him yeah like thank it, you Marty McSorley <laughs> yeah not protecting skill guys <laughs> no but like like I remember like reading like many years ago like Gretz like how they said Gretzky would never have been the hockey player he was without Yari Curry yeah like that was and Yari Curry is kind of the un- unsung hero of Gretzky's successes right yeah and you look at guys, like you talk about different guys that are like gonna be the greatest of all time and everything like that. Um, and you, like everyone's like, Ovi doesn't need anybody around him to be the greatest of all time. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And that's like the isolated scenario where that works. But you look at New Jersey and they're bringing all this firepower there, but these guys are all firepower that need proper like support and foundation. Yeah. And when you don't have that proper support and foundation, these guys aren't firepower anymore. Yeah. Well, you begin to rely on your depth guys a little too much too, right? Like, you know, you even look at a guy like, you know, Kyle Palmieri, who, you know, is a nice piece, but he's relied upon to be this top six guy. And I'm not sure that he will be. Yeah. You know, when you when you move some of these other guys out of the picture, right? I know goaltending has obviously, excuse me, it's been an issue this year. Um, with Schneider, you know, falling apart. But, you know, I am still a huge advocate for a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood. Does it make sense for them to, you know, try and acquire some goaltending, you know, depth somewhere along the lines? I, I feel like it probably does. Like, I wonder if there's a goalie prospect in, you know, New York or uh, in, um, you know, well, New York Islanders or the Rangers yeah. that, you know, they might be able to you know, do that. I don't know if Hall goes there necessarily, but, you know, could you, re- you know, get Hall and uh, Eberle back together on the island? Yeah, that would be amazing. That'd be interesting, right? Like, yeah. they need the firepower up front. You know, they're going to need somebody to shoot Barzal's passes for the next, you know, seven to eight <laughs> years, right? So there's there's things like that. And, of course, the Subban one is more fascinating to me because there are a lot of people that I think pegged Subban in New Jersey when the trade happened as like really bright yeah uh, but you know you look at it now and I'm kind of thinking like he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't fit that system at all no. he doesn't fit the system he doesn't fit the town like it's, he's not shooting yeah. at all like which is a bit of a problem like he didn't even shoot uh, a single puck at his brother Malcolm the other night and that's the when they were playing, to do. which is weird because you look at a guy like that and, you know, I think of P.K. Subban and I think of a bomb from the blue line on the power play, but he's yeah. he's just not playing and, you know, he doesn't have the luxury of, you know, a Roman Yossi or, you know, a, a Ryan Ellis dishing him the puck here and there, yeah. but it's just been really hard to watch. Yeah, it's tough because, like, he got his, t- like, his time in Montreal, like, he, there's a buzz, like, buzz around him as a draft player. Yeah. And then he really, like, the fandom in Montreal, like, he... He really got to like champion his role as like the their new shining light you know what i mean for sure and then i feel like his transition over to nashville was as much as i'm not a suban fan like it was like a tasteful 
transition in the way that he was typecast properly. Yeah, for sure. And because of that, he was able to then champion a role in Nashville. And then this whole New Jersey thing, I just feel like there's no thought to it at all. They just like wanted a defenseman. Yeah. And Subban was happened to be there at that particular time. It it just it seemed like a like a like a moment in time where an like a chance came up, not an opportunity. Yeah. And they capitalize on the chance. Well, and I think too, like through the lens of, you know, their management, you know, they get the first overall pick pretty, you know, they got Nico Heischer first overall, not that long ago. And now they got Jack Hughes, who's going to be, you know, like I said, they're going to be the top, the top two centers um, for that team forever. Like they, their, their middle of the ice is good. We're in a good spot. Right. And eventually, maybe Travis Zajac will move on, but maybe not. Um, but, you know, like, that kind of layers into it, too. And I also think just, you know, they needed to do everything they could to surround Taylor Hall with the right pieces. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not the weed talking right now, although it has kicked in a little yeah. bit. Update to our fans, our edibles have most definitely Thank kicked you. in. <laughs> um, but I will say that, you know, they needed to surround Taylor Hall with this you know, kind of idea like, hey, you know, if you do want to sign with us, you know, you'll be able to be on a power play with first overall pick Jack Hughes. Uh, oh, and you're going to have P.K. Subban on the blue line, you know, and maybe someday we'll get a goalie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. There's there's a part of me that thinks that they have been active on that side of things, trying to get a goalie. Yeah. Because I think a goalie, you know, the goalie position has been such a huge you know, issue for them. And, you know, you look at a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood, who's been, you know, he's figuring it out, right? But it can't be at the detriment of him getting fucking shelled every night. And, you know, they can't, they can't move through it. So it's interesting. I know a lot of people are pegging uh, Taylor Hall to go to a team like Colorado. And the thought of that just grosses me the fuck out. Why does it gross you out? I don't know, man. Like, the Avalanche are scary good already. And then you add a guy like Taylor Hall. And, yeah, you know, there's obviously conversation about his age. And, you know, he's had injury issues in the past. What does that look like necessarily? But, you know, I don't know if they can sign him long term. Like, I feel like they could probably afford it. But, you know, there's some other guys that may have to move out to add a talent like that to your top six. And it grosses me out. Right? Like, yeah. imagine a power play that is McKinnon, Landeskog, well, maybe not on the first one, but yeah. Hall, Rantanen, you know. Yeah, it'd be it's crazy. It's gross, right? Sam Gerrard is gross. Kale McCarr is gross. Like, all of these guys are so good, right? And they've still got kids, right? They still have Shane Bowers coming. They got Connor yeah. Timmons coming. Well, you know, McCarr's still a kid. A lot of people forget that. 100%. Right? And like, people are like, Norris Trophy? Like, Forget Calder Trophy. Let's talk about... Yeah, I think McCarr still has a bedtime. <laughs> yeah, straight up. He looks like it. Um, but, but yeah, it's... it's. I don't know, man. It's pretty crazy. It's just not the right... Like, Edmonton played his style of hockey. You yeah. know what I mean? Ed, Edmonton's, like, fairly removed. They, like, still... If you still watch... Like, if you watch Edmonton play, they play a lot like a... Like a team that's been together for a long time. For sure. You know what I mean? And so... Because, this year. Yeah, and, like, because of that, like, Edmonton kind of feels a bit more like a home, you know what I mean? And New Jersey's never been like that. You saw players that go to New Jersey as, like, the... You go to New Jersey to cut your teeth, and then you go to be an all-star somewhere else. I just think the narrative of Hall going back to Edmonton is fucking crazy. Sick. I would th- Yeah, it'd be amazing. It'd yeah. be good for a number of reasons, right? Yeah. He's gonna have to work with Connor McDavid for the rest of his career, most likely. That's not a bad thing. You also have Dreisaitl there. You know, and, and, you know, of course, we've shit on Edmonton a bunch over the last several years. But for me, one of the... Sorry. One of the best (laughs) things that comes up is, you know, they've got guys. You know, they've got Ethan Bear, who's looked really good. Darnell Nurse is stepping into his own. That was a big burp that I saved you all from. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, like there's there's just stuff there that looks appealing. Yeah. Right? And, you know, you go to, I was, you know, going to make the ar- argument that, you know, you go to 
you go to a team like Colorado and you become a superstar there, right? Yeah. He's already won a Hart Trophy. He's had that success. But, like, think about the superstar having the opportunity to play with Connor McDavid. Yeah. Oh, it would be like, insane. And I know there was dialogue around, you know, like, it would never be Connor's room until Taylor Hall was gone. But I think, you know, Connor McDavid looks to his left and he looks to his right and hopefully he sees Dreisaitl, but maybe he doesn't. <laughs> and then he goes... Uh, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't mind having Taylor, Taylor Hall, Hall on my left wing. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely not. So. And that, like, and we went back to the, like, when we were talking about the who's the greatest, like, is it Ovi? Is it, like, whomever? Like, McDavid, like, could be the greatest of all time. Yeah. But he's starting like, to look like it. But you put a Hall behind him and you give him, like, because McDavid's an assist machine. Sure. And that's, like, one of the... Well, and Hall can be, like, that finisher, right? And Dreisaitl can move down to the second line, and they can do what they have exactly. should be doing for yeah. how much they're paying Dreisaitl, and right? I, and I feel like Hall moving to Edmonton, like, would not only help out Hall's career because he'd get to be a part of something, mm-hmm. but that would also, like, send McDavid even farther up in the stratosphere as one of these, like, greatest of all time because he has that support that he needs, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's a it's the Gretzky organization and that's like the, that's how Edmonton kind of pumps out their all-stars. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. The reason why they were great is because of each other, not anything to do with individually. Right. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's a big piece of it. And you know, like really at the end of the day, you just wish that he had had just a better support system around him in New Jersey. Cause I think yeah. it, it should have worked out. You know, I look at a team, uh, you know, that New Jersey had, you know, not that long ago where you have a guy like Taylor Hall playing with maybe a coach where he, you know, is maybe implemented into the system a little bit better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You look at it, you know, I know there were some good and bad here just in terms of his coaching career. But, you know, you look at, you know, not that long ago, four or five years ago, you had a guy like Adam Oates who's like a pretty interesting kind of character in the big scheme of things. Um, just in terms of his talent and, you know, player development that way. But we could have seen Hall and Oates. <laughs> okay, I'll tell my Hall and Oates story at the beginning of next. Well, no, you can go ahead. So I was interning with the Leafs. Um, and Is I that would... good? Uh, it, it was It was sweet. It was, <laughs> it was a little weird to, like, see how the sausage was made. Yeah. Like... I know. Did you ever see Mike Babb? You know what? Doesn't matter. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Action. <laughs> um, and I, so I, I was really like in charge of just like working on this one spreadsheet all summer. It wasn't like the greatest internship um, until they found out I could like work with Photoshop and Illustrator and everything. Yeah. And then I started basically coming up with the artist gifts. That's true. That we would give the artists. Now, were you able to share with them that your experience started from making custom MySpace profiles? <laughs> You're like, hey, you were looking, heard you were looking for somebody the new HTML. That knows how to use bitmap properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I made a, a few cool gifts, and um, Daryl Hall and John Oates. I've heard of them. And so... <laughs> I say Daryl Hall and John Oates because we're like, what are we going to get these guys for gifts? We're like, let's get them custom leather jackets. Ugh. And so... Is it weird that I'm, like, I'm hard? Just imagining them both in their hot leather jackets? I just, they're so... Hot. Fabulous? <laughs> and so... Moving on. So my idea was like, yeah, we're going to get them leather jackets. Everyone loved it. So I designed this, like, super cool thing. Um... And it was like hollow notes on the back and like how they're tornate and everything like that. And they were like super cool because we did it, like I did it kind of like a like a motorcycle style. Got them all made. It was like a few thousand bucks for these two jackets. I love it. And I said hollow notes. And the they I guess they played in like Texas a couple days before. Yeah. And Texas called us and they're like, just so you know, like, don't get them anything that says hollow notes on it. Really? Yeah. And I was like, and they're like, what do you mean? They're like, so if you look back in their like catalog, they've never been called Hall and Oates. Yo. Everything's Daryl Hall, John Oates. We made Hall and Oates. They didn't they didn't want it. They didn't want it. We made and I've known them my whole life as Hall and Oates. And so <laughs> as an intern, this is 
I'm like week week five into a four month internship. They're like, yeah, I can't do that. Got to remake the jackets. Oh my and god! So, that's probably why Toronto ticket prices have skyrocketed because I wasted three thousand dollars on jackets that we threw away. Oh my! <laughs> so I had to god. redo it. So one said Daryl Hall, one said John Oates. Daryl Hall, John Oates. Yeah. Taylor Hall, Adam Oates. Hall and Oates. God, this, this this podcast is like there's so many layers to this. Heard podcast. it here first. We're fucking out of here. We gotta watch Fuller House. We love you guys. Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and we're on Google Play now. So shout out to all the Androids. Bye. Bye, guys. We miss you, Thomas. Come back. Love you. Love you. Bye.